Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Good morning, Rethink Life Church. Hey, hasn't your hearts been blessed today through our amazing worship? Come on, somebody. Let's give them a round of applause for leading us and preparing our hearts for what God wants to do. And uh, we want to say a special welcome to those of you who are watching us live online right now. So one more time, church family, let's give it up for those who are watching us right now on the different platforms. We're so honored that you're with us and uh, God is doing a fresh work. I'm excited. Hey, before I dive into today's message, I just want to quickly just give a little shout of praise uh, for what God did uh, last week on Easter Sunday. Often referred to as the Super Bowl for the church because one time a year everybody and their cousin comes to church. Man, it ought to be like that every week. Don't you agree? So uh, listen, but last week, first of all, let me just say our dream team the men and the women, the students, the volunteers, who just absolutely just, I mean, slayed it. I mean, they knocked the ball out of the park last week. And so, hey, Dream Team, listen, we want you to know we love you. We honor you. So grateful for the role that you play. So much goes in behind the scenes. So often people don't even know. <laughs> it's, what they, it's, it's, it's what they don't know. It's the things that, you know, that often are just like, wow, I didn't know somebody did that. Yes, somebody does almost everything, and we're so grateful for those who invested so much of their time and energy to make last weekend a great success. We had nearly 800 people, folks, who showed up for both of our services on Easter Sunday. What was awesome is that 50 Four of those were considered to be first-time guests who actually filled out a card. And, and uh, our number one goal for first-time guests is, is for them just to experience Jesus. We want them to encounter His presence and, and to hopefully feel the love and the warmth from people like us here at Rethink Life Church. And we had 56 people that raised their hand or filled out a card that said, Hey, I, count me in. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. So come on, somebody. Man, what a, an amazing amazing day and uh, over 7,000 right at 7,000 eggs that were given away uh, scrambled found whatever you want to call it uh, they were out on the football field and just had a fantastic time and uh, man what an, what's just an incredible incredible day and so I'm excited because today we're going to build on all that God did last week and continue building on that foundation and uh, God just put something on my heart today. It's a new series, two weeks specifically, and it's a message geared to the men. Doesn't necessarily mean, ladies, that you can uh, check out and, uh, c- c- you know, c- can have a little shut-eye here on me and uh, catch up on some good sleep. Oh, no, 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 no. I need you locked in and loaded, okay? Guess what? I need you to be more than anything today and next week. I just need you to be my amen corner, Okay. If you're sitting beside a man, he ought to walk out of here with bruised ribs, you know, from just those elbows. Like, I'm telling you, I've been telling you. So listen, today we are going to be sharing a two-part message that I'm calling Mandemic. I think, if anything, there is an epidemic, if you will, pandemic, when it comes to the lack of spiritual leadership that is taking place in our nation, and specifically in our homes and And it's having a ripple effect on so many different levels. 
And so today with that, and actually next week, we're really looking at two specific things. Today we're looking at a man and his faith. And next week we're going to be talking about a man and his family. Because those two are intertwined. They're not separate, they're intertwined. They go together. And so today as we talk about a man and his faith, I want you to imagine, if you will, men specifically, put yourself in this situation And I realize there may be some here today who actually can relate to this story because you don't have to imagine, you don't have to step into this imaginary scene. You actually were a part of this scene. But for those of you who were not, like myself, I want you to imagine it's roughly 1966. You're 18 years of age. You've been called away from your home, from your normal life, from your place of comfort literally thousands of miles away, and you find yourself as an 18-year-old young man put into a situation that you never could have ever fathomed in a million lifetimes that you would be placed in the middle of, and now you're in Vietnam. You're walking through the jungles of Vietnam, scared out of your mind as an 18-year-old young man who perhaps has nothing but life and future ahead of you. You're thinking about the comforts and the convenience of back home. You're thinking about your loved ones. If you had a girlfriend, you were thinking about perhaps, you know, what she was doing and where she was at. And you're thinking about all the possibilities. You think about all the hopes and the dreams and the aspirations that are in front of you. But on this particular day, you are now on patrol. And just like you've been experiencing on patrol, navigating through the the woods and and through the jungle, and and you're you're navigating through this intense situation each and every day. You hear gunfire, you you see people around you whose lives are being lost, and on this specific day, perhaps, you wake up, and now your 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 platoon leader looks at you and says, You're the leader today. In other words, you're the point man. And now because you're the point man, that simply means that you're in charge. You are out front. You are the leader. And there are seven men behind you. And the fate of their future, the fate of whether they live or die, literally rests in your hands. It rests in your ability to make good judgment, your ability to make decisions, your ability to navigate and to negotiate the landmines and the situations and the circumstances of everything going around you because their lives and their future and their families are banking on your ability to lead them to safety or to take out the enemy. Now I want you to put yourself in that same situation because that was a very real a very hostile situation that many who were there who can testify that it was beyond anything you could possibly imagine. But put yourself in that same scenario. You've been appointed point man and there are seven people behind you. But maybe this time rather than soldiers, who's behind you is your wife and your kids. I want you to think for a moment as a Man who has been called of God to be the point man over your life, over your family, over your marriage. How would you negotiate? How would you navigate? What kind of focused attention would you give to everything going around you? Because you know that the fate 
of your wife, the fate of your children, whether they live or die, whether they make it out alive or dead, literally rest into your hands. Based on your decisions, your judgment, and your ability to lead and to navigate. Well, here's the thing. It's exactly what God has called us to be and what he's called us to do. And as men, God has called us to be point man. He's called us to be out front and to lead and to navigate in a way that helps protect, shield those who are behind us so that they can follow our lead and they can be under the shelter of our protection as we lead with good choices, judgment, decisions that allow us to move in the direction and to overcome the enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Because at the end of the day, here's what we need to understand. We have a spiritual enemy, and that spiritual enemy has declared war on our families. And the thing we got to understand is that the casualties of this war are just as real as the names that are physically etched on the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. The only difference is, is those names might be the, the name of your spouse or potentially the name of your son or your daughter if they don't make it out alive. And we have an enemy, John 10.10, 10, that says that he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Ephesians 5.18 says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we have to understand that today, now more than ever, we are fighting a very real enemy. And he wants to take out the family. But here's what we need to understand. The enemy has a very strategic and methodical and intentional strategy that he wants to enforce. In fact, it even has a name. You know what it's called? It's called divide and conquer. So strategy number one that the enemy uses to take out the family is this. To effectively alienate and sever a husband's relationship with his wife. Whether it's physically or emotionally, both are equally effective. So strategy number one is that the devil, our adversary, our real enemy spiritually that we face each and every day, he wants to do everything in his power to effectively alienate and sever a husband's relationship with his wife. Strategy number two, he wants to effectively alienate and sever a father's relationship with his children, whether it's physically or emotionally. Again, both are equally effective what does that mean what that means is that satan's ultimate goal and agenda is to neutralize the male to neutralize the man in his home and if you're not married if you're not a father here today maybe you're a single male i just want to say this once again He wants to get you neutralized. You say, what do you mean? He will do anything in his power to get you distracted, to get you preoccupied, to get your focus off of God and put the focus on yourself. And he wants to do everything he can 
to cause you through distractions, through other interests, through other pursuits, or whatever it is that has you preoccupied. He wants to do everything he can to keep you at a place where you are spiritually passive, where you are indifferent toward the things of God. Because he knows that if he can get you neutralized, he has you in the palm of his hand. And I think, unfortunately, that's what's happening in many of our homes and I think in many of our families today is that too many men have found themselves neutralized. Too many men, unfortunately, have found themselves perhaps preoccupied with so many other things that, unfortunately, they've lost maybe a spiritual fervor and passion And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to understand that the enemy doesn't give up. He is relentless. And listen, just like the imaginary scene that I asked you to put yourself into as a point leader, as you're navigating through the jungle, as you're navigating through the rainforest, you've got to understand there are landmines everywhere. And as you are carefully looking down with one eye of what you potentially could, could step upon that would take you out equally, you've got to be looking out of the corner of your eye for somebody who's ready to ambush you out of the middle of nowhere. And the enemy will do whatever he can to take you out. But he wants to get you neutralized. So how do we move if we're at a place perhaps feeling distant from God? Maybe we're not where we could be. We're not where we should be. Maybe if you find yourself maybe at a place of feeling neutralized. Maybe you don't have the spiritual fire that you once had in your life as a man or as a woman of God. I just want to say to you, God wants you to get your fire back. Listen, God wants to reignite the flames in your heart. He wants to renew the passion. Because listen, we are fighting a very real spiritual and moral battle. And we got to understand that he doesn't... Listen, the enemy wants to get you neutralized, but God wants you mobilized. God wants you to take more and more ground that the enemy has tried to take from you. And we need God's help. And that's the reason why we have to understand that as men, as the point man of your home, you got to realize that you've got a target on your back. And if you're a single, you got to understand, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ as a single male adult, you have a target on your back. And we can't ever take that for granted. We can't ever let our guard down because the enemy is relentless and he doesn't give up. And that's the reason why God said from the very beginning. In fact, when God instituted what is known as the Ten Commandments, what was the very first commandment? He said in Exodus 20 verse verse 3, he said, you must not have any other God before me. In essence, what God was saying is that, listen, I don't want to have to compete with your focus, with your undivided attention, with your passion, with your fervor, with your loyalty. Listen, God says, I want everything that you are. I want you to give me your all. I want you to go all in with me. And Jesus was asked a question one time by a religious leader. And this religious leader and scholar of the day was trying to trip Jesus up by asking him a question. And he said, hey, Jesus, what would you consider to be the greatest commandment? Jesus responded with with these words in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 38. He said, to love the Lord your God with every 
passion of your heart, with all of the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. Men, the question is this. If you're here today and you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, how can we be mobilized rather than neutralized? How can we step out maybe of a place of complacency? And how can we step into a place where our hearts are renewed, our hearts are rejuvenated, our hearts once again are set on fire so that we can be the leaders that God has called us to be? Well, there are four things that I want us to learn today. and We're going to learn through the life of Moses. I love Moses. I love his leadership. I love the fact that he was just an ordinary guy that God used to accomplish something extraordinary. And even though he had a very unusual you know, life as a child, as a baby, and don't have time to get into all those details, but God began to orchestrate a plan and a purpose. God had a destiny for Moses. Just like God has a plan, he has a purpose, and he has a destiny for every man, every woman, every student in this building today. And those of you that are watching online, God has a plan and he has a purpose. And God doesn't do anything by accident. He is very intentional because he has a plan and he's going to work that plan according to his will. And that's exactly what he did when it came to the life of Moses. And what's interesting is that just like I emphasize, God doesn't want to have to compete for our attention. And just like he started with Moses to get Moses' attention, God wants to do the same thing in our lives to get our attention. And you know where it all begins? It begins with worship. It begins with worship. Because the only way that we can win the spiritual battle that we are facing, men, is this. We win through worship. In fact, how we worship determines how we lead ourselves and our family to fulfill our destiny. So how do we do that? Number one is this. We have to enter into God's fiery presence daily. We have to enter into God's fiery presence daily. In fact, in Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 through 4, Moses was just out doing his thing. He was a shepherd. He was kind of really in a, in a place now of obscurity. He was uh, tending to the herd that of, of a sheep as a shepherd uh, that he and his father-in-law oversaw. And so here he was on the backside of a desert, just kind of minding his business. And yet, once again, God had a plan. God had a purpose. He had a destiny for Moses. And the timing was just being revealed to Moses when it came to him understanding that God had a plan and a purpose and a destiny. Up until this point, Moses had no idea that God had a plan and a purpose. But God spoke to Moses and said, One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. And though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. 
This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Here I am. And so what's interesting is that God, through an unexpected source and an unexpected time, spoke to Moses. And invited Moses into his fiery presence. Now it just so happened to be it was in a burning bush. Now what's interesting is that there are some things that you need to understand when it came to the burning bush and the fire that was represented in this bush. Number one is this, is that it was a picture of God's glory and it was a picture of God's power. What we have to understand is that the fire was never consumed. And so through that, we have to understand that this whole role of being point man, this, this whole role of need, leading and, and navigating our marriage, navigating our, our family, navigating our spiritual influence in the lives of other people. Listen, we can't do it on our own. We need God's glory and God's power to be manifested in us and through us to do something we can't accomplish on our own. The second thing the fire represents is that the burning bush symbolized Israel that was getting ready to go through the fire and had already been experiencing the fire of oppression, the fire of difficulties, the fire of hardship. And yet God wanted to remind them that even through the difficulties, they were not going to be consumed. And then the other thing that the fire, the third thing the fire represented is that the burning bush illustrated to Moses that as a humbled shepherd, with God's help, God was going to put a fire that would, that would blaze within his own heart that would not be consumed. And I believe that's what God wants to accomplish in and through the men of Rethink Life. If you're here today... Men, you need to understand. Ladies, you need to understand that God wants to do something significant in and through your life. And the only way that that can be accomplished is when we are at a place of being willing to recognize that God is calling us and God is inviting us into his fiery presence each and every day. Because that's where it begins. Why? Because the battle is one How? Through our worship. So in order for us to win the battle, we must begin in our worship. And that is entering into the fiery presence of God each and every day. I love what Jeremiah 29 verses 12 and 14 says. When you call upon me, Jeremiah says, when you, God says, when you come and pray to me, I will listen. And when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and wanting it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I'm telling you, man, when you make a decision in your heart, I'm going to go all in with God. I'm going to seek him with everything that I have. I'm going to enter into his fiery presence each and every day. I'm telling you, when we meet with God, when we have that burning bush experience in the morning before we go to work, listen, before we go into wherever it is, our place of influence, I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed because God's glory and God's power will rest upon you before you go into the real world. We need that. We need that. Number two, 
The second thing we learn from Moses and through this whole calling and experience in his life is that he took off his sandals, which is the same thing we need to do. We need to take off our sandals every day. In other words, there are spiritual shoes that we need to bring to the presence of God each and every day. In verse 5 there in Exodus chapter 3, notice what God said. He said, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. And he said, take off your sandals for you are standing on what? Say it out loud. Holy ground. God wanted to remind Moses, hey, as you are entering into my presence, you are standing on holy ground. So much so that Moses literally had to cover his face from the glory of God, his very presence. He was standing in the very presence of God. What's the significance of the shoes or the sandals that God had told Moses to take off? Is that basically he wanted Moses to come to a place in his life where he was willing to take off, strip away, let go of anything that would come between himself and God. And that's exactly what God wants to do in and through us. And that's exactly how we must approach him as we go into his fiery presence. Hey, we must come to him with a sense of awe and reverence because of who he is. And literally let go of anything that stands between us and God. You know, I heard someone once say, That when we take off our shoes spiritually, as well as emotionally, you know what it does? It allows us to walk more humbly and more cautiously before God each and every day. It's exactly what Moses did. When he took off his sandals, he began to realize, you know what? I am standing, I am walking on holy ground in the very presence of God. Guys, that's why we don't live compartmentalized lives. That's the reason why we don't just do church on Sunday and then we kind of like check off the Sunday box, the God box. And then we live Monday through Saturday, you know, kind of doing our thing. No, 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 no. Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, in our home, in our workplace. Listen, if you're a student on your school campus, on the ball field. Wherever it might be, wherever your place of influence is, wherever you go, we are to practice His presence because we are standing on holy ground, because we are the very temple of God. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, resides in us. And so therefore, wherever we go, we are His ambassadors. We are practicing His presence. We are living out His presence to those whom God has placed in our influence. We can't take that for granted. I heard someone once say that the greatest single thing we can do by way of taking off our shoes or our sandals is we got to let go of our ego. You know what our ego stands for? It stands for edging God out. And I think we're guilty at times of kind of edging God out when we're in different places or around different people and maybe circumstances that suddenly all of a sudden what happens, it causes us to neutralize ourselves. It causes us to let our guard down. It causes us to to find ourselves in a place where we're compromising and we're becoming passive rather than being intentional with being impactful with the presence of God everywhere we go. In fact, in 
Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, it says it this way. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Man, the greatest single thing we could do is to have clean hands and a pure heart and to live our lives in such a way where we live for an audience of one so that our focus is on Jesus, so that our attention and our devotion, our heart and our passion, we are fixed on him. I'm telling you, when that happens, God does some amazing things. I heard the story about Michelangelo, you know, the famous, you know, artist and, you know, that magnificent, magnificent uh, sculpture of, of David that he was known for, that this amazing iconic figure and someone asked him the question they said how did you take this block of stone and how were you able to to create such a, an incredible piece of art how could you how could you create such minute detail of the figure of David how were you able to do that he said it was very simple all I did is I just chipped away everything from that block of stone that didn't look like David and that's exactly what we have to do in our lives is we have to allow God to literally chip away every fear, every insecurity, all of the things from our past, every temptation, listen, every sin that we are guilty of. we got to let God chip away all of those things so that when it's all said and done, the only thing that is left is Jesus being magnified in our lives. And that's what God wants to do. And it begins when we are willing to step into his fiery presence on a daily basis and take off our shoes on a day-by-day basis. But number three, we got to learn to know God's heart. we got to learn to know God's heart. In fact, in Exodus 3, verses 7 and 8, it says, Then the Lord told him, told Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress. Because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. And lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. You know what that means? It simply means that God had a place. He had a destiny. He had a purpose reserved for his people. And yet God chose to call an ordinary man by the name of Moses. Took him literally from the backside of a mountain out of a a life of, of obscurity. And God chose him and God called him and God had purposed for him to go and to deliver the people who were living in a place of oppression and bondage and slavery. And there are two things you need to know about this. Two significant events that took place there in Egypt. Number one is something known as the Passover. Many of you, perhaps I'm sure, are familiar with the Passover story there in Exodus where God had instructed Moses to go and to tell the people to basically get themselves prepared and ready. And so what did they do? They, they took a lamb or they took a goat and they, they took, after they killed the lamb or the goat, they, would t- they took the blood, the remnants of that, of that animal, and they were to place the blood on the door frames of their home so that when the death angel, when God himself 
passed over. If he saw the blood there on the door frames, he was to spare the people of God. And as a result, that's what he did. But another thing, God also had used Moses to do another thing, something significant to fulfill God's plan and purpose. And it was known as the crossover. It was the, it was the escape, if you will, from moving from the place there in Egypt, crossing the Red Sea that God had parted for one reason, and that was to save and to deliver his people to a new life of freedom. You know what that's called? That is called grace. And we need to understand, just like we learned last week at Easter, grace is, is, is simply this. Grace is God giving us what we need, not what we deserve. And when we as men understand the heart of God, you know what that does? It gives us a heart that reflects the heart of God. In other words, we're taking the focus off of ourselves, and we become more grace-filled towards our spouse, more grace-filled towards our children. Our heart becomes more sensitive. We become more in tune with the needs of those around us. Rather than giving people what they deserve, instead we're focusing on giving our spouse and giving our children and those around us what they need. We're extending grace. Why? Because our hearts now are reflecting Jesus in every way. We're becoming more compassionate. We're becoming more patient. We're, we're becoming more focused on serving others. Why? Because that's exactly what servant leadership does. We serve the needs of those around us. And that can only happen when we understand and learn to know God's heart. Psalm 86 verse 11 says it this way. The psalmist said, teach me more about you, how you work and how you move so that I can walk onward in your truth until everything within me brings honor to your name. Wow. Men, what a timely message. Because, listen, God wants us to enter into his fiery presence. God wants us to understand that, listen, everywhere we go, as we practice his presence, as we are walking on holy ground, listen, as we are moving forward in faith and as we are leading, as we're navigating our spouse and our children and our family, and as we are leading those that God has placed in our influence, listen, God is using us in such a way that we're able to show grace and show mercy and show love the way Jesus did when he came to rescue you and me. There's a fourth thing that we learn, and that is when it comes to being the leader that God has called us to be as men of faith, we got to embrace our role as a leader. At the end of the day, there's a lot of men who don't want to necessarily step into this role. But here's what Exodus 3 verses 9 through 10 says, because I'm sure Moses felt overwhelmed, intimidated by this call that God was calling him into. It was a call and a purpose that God was placing on his life. And he was saying, Moses, Moses, I am calling you. I'm preparing you. I'm positioning you. To go 
and to save my people, to rescue my people from a life of bondage to a life of freedom and destiny and purpose. You can only imagine what was racing through Moses' head because that was a big task. It was an impossible calling to fulfill apart from God's help. And his natural response was this. In verse, 10, in verse 9 and 10 it says, Look, the cry of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians have abused them. And then God tells Moses, he said, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people out of Egypt. You know, as men, I'd be safe to say that many of you feel unqualified. You feel inadequate. I'd be safe to say that there's a lot of men that are here in this room, maybe you're watching online, and, and you know what? You grew up in a situation where you didn't have a spiritual father figure in your home or in your life. You didn't grow up with a strong male role model. And maybe as a result, because you've never ne- you haven't necessarily seen it lived out or practiced or consistently displayed, Maybe you just feel like in many ways, it's not that you don't want to lead, it's just that you found yourself at times feeling intimidated because you don't know how to lead in a way. Spiritually, as a point man, to navigate your spouse, to navigate your family in a way that God has called you. And Moses can relate. He said there in verses 11 and 12, but Moses protested to God. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And notice what God said. Because what he said to Moses is the exact same thing that God is saying to every man in this room. And every young man in this room. Listen. He said, I will be with you. And he said, and this will be your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Men, you may feel inadequate, underqualified, just like a young soldier that suddenly is thrust into the Amazon, into a jungle, if you will, of of hostile territory where the enemy is is scoping through through the the landmines and and, and scoping through the lens of a gun and, and who's trying to find strategic ways to take you out maybe you're thrown into a situation where you just feel ill ill equipped you just don't feel qualified you don't know what to do you don't know how to do it but can I just remind you today If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I got good news. Because the good news is this. You plus God equals a majority. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if God is with you and he is for you, then who in the world can be against you? So you need to see yourself the way God sees yourself. He sees you as victorious. God sees you as an overcomer. Listen, God has delivered you. Quit living in the past. You are not what you 
did. You are who God says you are. You are a child. You are a man, a woman of God. And God has a plan and he has a purpose and he has a destiny and he has a calling that he has placed on your life. And you just need to be reminded that God is with you. And he's going to see you all the way to the other side. He's going to see you to the other side. So don't look back. Look ahead. Because you remember the, the, the people, as they were fleeing for their lives, as they were headed towards the Red Sea, and now all of a sudden the Egyptian army was in hot pursuit after them. And what did God do? Because he was with them and because he was with Moses, God empowered Moses supernaturally to do something that he could have never done, that the people could have never done. What did God do? God parted the waters of the Red Sea, resulting in literally over a million, some estimate upwards to two million people that crossed from the side of slavery and bondage to a side, listen to this, of freedom and victory. Because they were entering into the place that God had promised. And I believe that God wants to do the same in our lives. You know, it's been said that, in fact, it's not been said, it's a scientific fact that Canadian geese fly 70% faster than one attempts to fly on its own. In other words, when they're flying in formation with other geese, they go farther faster. And I believe that's the greatest single need for many men, is you need to get in an atmosphere with other men who have that same desire and hunger and passion to want to live for God and to navigate and to lead. You need to surround yourself with faith-filled, life-giving relationships with other men so you can go further, faster in your spiritual journey. We call those life groups here at Rethink Life. And even though we're coming to the end of a life group season, we're going to be ramping it back up the first Sunday of June. And so this might be a time and an opportunity for you as men to begin preparing. Listen, start thinking about some men. Start gathering some opportunities, some tools, and some resources that you can use. Because, listen, as the scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we need that in our lives. It's the reason why we're doing a men's fellowship on May the 1st. We're going over to Drive Shack. Just an opportunity, no agenda, just for guys to hang out, get to know. Man, if the women can have a she night out, hey, why can't the guys have a men's night out, all right? We talk about she night, we're going to have a he night on May 1st. So, guys, listen, to you, if you, even if you're like me and you can't do squat when it comes to golf, don't, listen, don't worry about that. Just come and have fun, all right? We're going to learn just to have fun and get to know some guys, put faces and names together. I put together a book called The Double Win. Eight questions everyone must ask in order to win at home and at work. This would be an incredible tool and resource for both men and women in the marketplace or just in your home to leverage because just the eight questions alone that I propose in this book literally is a game changer if we can understand and learn to embrace the truths behind those eight questions. Because these eight questions really will help serve as a framework 
for you to understand how to start moving forward, how to start restructuring, restructuring and how to start reprioritizing your life and what really matters so that you can win at home so you can also win at home because win at work because if you're not winning at home you're going to be losing at work and if you're losing at work chances are you're going to be losing at home you can have a double win you can win at home and win at work and you can be the influencers in the marketplace that God has called you to influence we often say that spiritual leadership is all about ministry within the church I disagree with that you say, you disagree with that? Yes, because 95% of the people in the church are out in the marketplace. God has called the men and the women who are in the business world, who are in the marketplace Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. That is your mission field. That is your ministry. That is your opportunity to be salt and light. And when we're healthy at home, we're going to be healthy in the workplace. And God wants to use both environments to turn our workplaces and turn our families right side up for Jesus Christ to be saltier salt and brighter light, to love better and to shine brighter for the glory of God. That's what God wants us to do. So what's the, what's the, what's the action step, men? If we're going to be men of faith, men of, men of God, it begins by presenting ourselves to God. Presenting ourselves to God. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, it says that this, and I'll close. Paul said, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is, the tr this is truly the way to worship him. And don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, into a new man or woman of God by changing the way you think. Then you will learn. Notice then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I think one of the single greatest things that could happen today is for men or women or any student that's in this place who has never been baptized, who's never taken their faith public through water baptism, which is a command, by the way, in scripture, I think today would be the greatest single day of your life to say, you know what, I'm presenting myself to God today and I want to go public with my faith. I want the world to know that I am a follower of Jesus and I'm not ashamed to say that he is my Lord and he is my Savior. And so today, if that's something you would like to do, we have the water ready, we have clothes ready, we got towels ready. The question is, are you ready to present yourself to God? Because if you are, listen, today I would have, listen, there would be no greater joy that would fill my heart today than be able to celebrate the water of baptism to see men and women and students go public with their faith saying, I am all in with Jesus. I want us to bow our heads and our hearts together in a moment of prayer. And as we bow our heads and our hearts in prayer, 
Let me just say that maybe today you're in this place as a follower of Jesus. You know Jesus. There's no question in your heart. But maybe you have found yourself neutralized. You have found yourself not where you could be, not where you should be spiritually. And maybe if anything, today is a day that you just need to set aside and mark in your life and say, this is a day where I'm recommitting, I'm renewing, I'm reigniting the fire. The same fire that God put in Moses' heart, I want that same fire to be blazing in my heart. And all you have to do today is just, once again, just surrender to Him. Just take off your shoes. Because you're standing on holy ground today. Take off, remove, whatever it is that's standing between you and God. It might be pride, it could be fear, it could be inadequacy, it could be something in the past. Whatever it is. Whatever struggles, whatever habits, whatever strongholds that maybe you're still hanging on to. Today is the day just to let them go and release them once and for all. Some of you here today, maybe a guest, maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you're watching online and maybe you've never come to that place where you've put your faith in Jesus. Maybe there's a void in your life. You've tried filling that void with a lot of things, but you've never put your faith in Jesus. And if that's your need, if that's where you are, can I just invite you to pray this prayer and invite Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior? You can pray something like this. Just say, Dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And today, by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus. For saving my soul. If you happen to have prayed that prayer just then with me, or maybe you prayed it there online, would you do me a favor? Would you be willing just to hold up your hand? Hey, if you prayed that prayer with me in the house today, would you just hold up your hand and say, yes, count me in. I just prayed that prayer and I'm ashamed to admit it. Anybody else? Say, yes, count me in. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we thank you for these that lifted their hands. And God, we're grateful for what you're doing in the hearts of both men and women in this place today. And Lord, I pray that as we come close to you, Father, you'd come close to us. I pray for those here today who are followers of Jesus. Lord, I pray that today that they would walk out of here with a, with a renewed heart and spirit, a desire to want to grow and become all that you've destined them to be. Lord, I pray that today, now more than ever, You'd place a hedge of protection over our families, over our marriages. God, we know that the enemy is working hard to steal, kill, and destroy, to take out what matters most, what's near and dear to your heart, Father. And I pray that today, Lord, that we will be on the offense. And today, that we will be intentional about doing everything we can to lead and to navigate our marriages and our homes and our families in a way, God, that honors you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
and amen. Come on, somebody, let's give God a shout of praise in this place today, amen. Well, hey, if you happen to have prayed that prayer with me, you raised your hand, or maybe you prayed it there online, would you do me a huge favor? If you prayed that prayer online with us today, just type in the chat, I decided, or maybe click the little wave hand, the little waved hand there online, uh, if you're watching us church online. And uh, we want to send some information to you in a digital format. If you're here physically in the room, uh, we want to ask you as well, if you would, to take your Connect card. It looks just like this. And we want to take, ask you to take just a moment, make sure you complete the information on this card. But there's a blue line there that says, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And uh, in that little blank space, if you have a pen, would you just put a check mark in that uh, space there? And uh, we would love to physically give you a copy of this little booklet here that's called, it's called Rethinking Life Every Day. This outlines your spiritual next steps. It has a 30-day reading plan through the life of Jesus in the very back as well. And this will help answer some spiritual questions you have and really gonna really just start pointing you in the right direction in your spiritual journey. And we're gonna have some folks, in fact, because of the orchestra pit, there's a play getting ready to happen here shortly. But we're gonna ask some of our prayer team if they would just to make themselves over here uh, to your left and to my right in this corner. We'd love to give you one of these little booklets. We'd love to pray with you, pray over you about anything that maybe is on your heart. You can also put those prayer requests in the connect on the connect card as well. Drop that in the offering container and uh, we'll stand with you in prayer and um, do anything and everything that we can to make sure that you are lifted up and affirmed in whatever it is that you need prayer over in your life today. Another thing quickly um, is today is Baptism Sunday and so therefore what that means is is that we have the baptismal pool ready and if that is something that you would like to do today, then as soon as we stand up here in just a second, I'm going to invite you to be the first ones just to slip out uh, towards the back. And uh, we're going to ask that you go uh, to the Connect Tent area. I will meet you back there in just a few moments, and we'll have the opportunity to baptize you. We've got shorts, we've got towels, we've got everything you need. What an opportunity for you today to mark this moment and mark this day through water baptism and then also uh, our um, our um, uh, welcome party is next Sunday so please make sure if you're new to us here or new to the community at rethink life make sure you join us next Sunday and uh, listen we are expecting God to do some amazing amazing things throughout the rest of our spring God is on the move he's working in the hearts of people and we're excited for all that God is doing we're going to pray over our offering today and I just want to ask you to be faithful let's be uh, consistent and generous in this area of our life as we worship the Lord through giving because that's really, really what giving is the Bible says that when we give it pleases the Lord why because the Bible says where your treasure is there your heart will be also so what we're doing is we're giving God our heart we're giving him first place we're worshiping him but saying God everything I am and everything I have belongs to you so today let's be faithful in this area of our lives father we thank you for the opportunity we have to be able to give and Lord whether we're giving here in this room or maybe giving online I pray that today the Lord that what we give Lord would be fully pleasing to you I pray you'll take it, use it, multiply it to make an eternal difference in the lives of those around us and those in places that we physically will never be able to go because of the missions giving that we're able to give. So Father, we know that we're not giving to a church, we're giving through a church to advance your purposes 
to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. But we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's all stand. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.